0: From WDBM East Lansing, this is City Pulse on the air.
1: Joining you now, your editor-in-chief of the Lansing City Pulse, Burl Schwartz. Hello again, this is Burl Schwartz talking. Later in the show, we'll find out how the city of Lansing is using hip-hop to help in child development. First up, though, Xavier DeGroat is a 30-year-old Lansing community college student. May have been the first person with autism to serve an internship in the White House. I spoke to him about it. So, Xavier,
2: uh, how did you uh, uh, find out about a White House internship and how did you plan uh, one?
3: Yes, um, I'm very close friends with um, former White House staffer Andrew Giuliani, the son of Mayor Rudy Giuliani, and he had helped bond me and connect me with the uh, right people on the White House Internship Office to get me a White House intern.
2: And how did you become friends with uh, Rudolph Giuliani's son?
3: Yes, um, his father contacted him one time about me when uh, I was um, in the middle of working towards a meeting with President Donald Trump here in 2019 with Mayor Giuliani taking me and to go see President.
2: Wow, that's exciting. (laughs) So uh, what was your reaction when you found out you got the internship?
3: I was very much excited, but very anxious, though, too, because it made me nervous for a bit because I wasn't used to um, going out on my own for a long period of time. The only time I'd ever done that was in 2016 when I interned for Congressman Dan Kilby. And I also interned for Ford Motor Company back then in 2016 of the summer. And so I thought it would be very um, difficult during the COVID-19. But, however, I had the mobility to go do it. And that's what matters. And so I did it, and I'm now looking for a job.
2: And uh, and it, uh, I understand it's an unpaid internship. It was an unpaid internship. That must have been uh, quite a sacrifice for you.
3: Yes, it um, it was unpaid, and most internships are in this country. So certainly it was um um sacrifice, but it was very much intriguing to my um experience and skills I have gained, so I felt it
2: was beneficial. Uh, well, I, I know I want to find out more about your background, but I know a lot of our listeners would be really interested in knowing what it was like, not just to work in the White House, but to and not just to work in the, uh, the White House for a controversial president, but during such a difficult period, uh, What what was the mood like in the White House during your uh, uh, period there?
3: It was very um, intense, especially towards the end of the internship was um, early December and late November because of the election um, that had taken place, was not making President Trump happy, as you already know. And the early part of it, it was okay, but people were getting really heated up and ready to start working towards this campaign. And Mayor Giuliani, my best friend, he was even very busy then and going out and about, knocking and um, seeing how big people would vote. But many staff members um, were personally nice to me, at least, because as an intern, we worked professionally together. And I would say all ended positive for me, but it was much a quieter environment towards the end. People were already packing away, getting ready for their new positions and leaving the white house offices
2: and of course uh, you can be in the white house you can be in the west wing but that doesn't mean you get to see the president uh, i know you saw him at least once there was a photo of you with him and president giuliani that we ran in city pulse this week but uh, uh, was there any other contact with the president during your internship
3: um, Not really, nope, not personally, but I had had a chance to um, participate in an event that he and his wife, First Lady Melania, would attend, and that was during the Marine One landing towards end of um, September, and it was very cool to um, be very close to him while he was walking out towards the helicopter, and um, I thought it was uh, very much uh, cool outreach. And he w- did ways to all the interns in me.
2: Hey, what, did you have to uh, do anything politically to, so they would know, well, he's on our team, or at least he doesn't have problems with us. Uh, did they screen you for your politics? Um,
3: I didn't really have to do super much politics itself. Um, but However, I guess that a lot of political messages and writing um, in mail, and it would sometimes be very attackful or be um, harsh in the way he wrote to the president, but other times it would be very positive, but they're very harsh ones, like, Mr. President, for instance, you are not doing anything to save our democracy, you're ruining it, and you're violating our civil liberties and rights, and we must get rid of you now, we don't respond to those things, because... We're not a campaign office. The White House is not there to be a campaign office. It's there for public service.
2: Mm-hmm. Are there any letters that I know you you know you have certain privacy concerns? Are there some letters that stick out in your mind? Uh, things that people needed help on, for example.
3: Yes. Um, for instance, one person I know needed um, help, and I got to help with is a stimulus. Package follow-up, so we call the Treasury Department. My agency liaison um, staff member here at the White House that interned also helped satisfy that to get move in so we can get the check mailed out as soon as possible. And plus, there was even a person that needed veteran affair benefits for their health needs, and I was able to contact that um, bureaucratic system to get their health benefits taken care of.
2: We're talking uh, to uh, Xavier de Grote, who is an LCC student who recently uh, worked in the, uh, the White House uh, uh, under President Trump as an intern. Uh, and uh, uh, Xavier, uh, it, let's talk about another part of this, which is that uh, it's believed you were the first autistic person to intern at the White House. Um tell us about your autism if you, if you would and um uh, how it is how it affects your life.
3: Yes, um when I was diagnosed at age 4, um it wasn't always um that simple because at first they were confused between me having ADHD, which they uh, gave me and prescribed me Ritalin for a little bit. But I took that for a bit and started later on realizing it's not a right Substance for my um, intensity of anxiety or uh, skills and cooperation skills like others. So then they started realizing you have Asperger syndrome, which is part of the autism spectrum. And that was while I was living in Saginaw, Michigan. And I really figured out more once we soon thereafter moved to Bowling Green, Kentucky, because my dad was a worker at Corvette plant down there and had to transfer from General Motors plant to plant and. Um, down in Kentucky, though they had better services I would say with their schooling to really um dignify me that I had um symptoms related to autism, and there has never um in my life been a time that I haven't faced some kind of um challenge because one good example today is challenging is finding a job which which a lot of people would say is pretty normal, but on the being an autism spectrum. Gives people anxiety to hire me because they don't always realize the quite fantastic copy and paste skill I have and level of thinking and memory at a good level. So I would certainly say it's been transformative, though, for me to intern at the White House as the first person with autism because that shows that a person on the spectrum has the ability and strength just like anyone else as long as they're given the opportunity. To move along with their potential and mind is just different, not less. There's a quote: "I'm not different or less. I'm just different." Dr. Temple Grandin said. Who has autism.
2: And before we let you go, we should uh, let people know that uh, among your accomplishments is you've started a foundation. Tell us about that.
3: I um, started a foundation in 2018. So it became official in October that year through the IRS, uh, um, confirming it. uh, is a foundation that raises money to build seminars and programs to educate the community on how to help people with autism when they're being um, educated in schools or encouraging um, leadership roles as CEOs of corporations to encourage them to hire more people with different mindsets and capacity skills and autism being on that part of it. I would love to see my foundation next in go do some kind of fundraiser to build a sensory room at football stadiums um, and at hospitals. So hospitals have special sensory-friendly rooms that are treating patients with autism so they don't get stimulated over dense lies and become into a tantrum if they don't get treated with their needs and special treatments. And that's what I did with law enforcement officers last year getting a law passed by Governor Gretchen Whitmer. Um, that is allowing now state IDs and um, license plates and your driver's license to be registered at the Department of State, and it becomes effective solidly in July this year. So if you want to um, put on your um, licensing that you have autism, that way the police knows how to pull you over when they come after you.
2: Very good. Well, before you go, it, it does, it does the foundation have a website? And if so, what's the address?
3: Yes, it has a website which you can visit w dot xavier which is D like dog E G R O A T like tiger foundation dot org so www dot xavier foundation dot org.
2: Very good. Well, uh, Xavier, uh, thank you so much for taking time to be on City Pulse.
3: Yeah, no problem, and thank you for having me on, girl.
1: For more on Xavier DeGroat, please check out Kyle Kaminsky's story in the current issue of City Pulse and online at LansingCityPulse.com. You're listening to City Pulse here on 89FM The Impact. I'm Burl Schwartz. Next up, Chadwick Phillips is a Minnesota artist and a concert promoter. He's also the founder of the Youth Development Project, Hip Hop History and the Arts. Phillips is now working with the city of Lansing's family educational program, Building Children and Family Initiatives. Our arts editor, Skylar Ashley, is working on a story on this for the next issue of City Pulse and spoke with Phillips about his role as a musician and a youth instructor. Let's listen to that interview right now.
0: What made you want to um, transition into working with youth um, youth artist development with hip-hop history and the arts? What, what was it that drove you to uh, in education?
4: Definitely, yeah. So I'm a very nostalgic-minded person. I always think back to my childhood because that's what keeps me motivated, my early inspirations. And I always say keep the child in you proud, meaning that the things that you were inspired to do when you were a child always strive to be that because that's what more than likely you were put here for. So when I think back to my childhood, I think about the kids now. I think about the youth now. And it's like it's nothing new under the sun. There's different things that they're going through now, similar to what I went through. Uh, they have similar endeavors. So me understanding where they're at, it makes me want to be there for them. It makes me want to guide them and to be able to help uh, manifest and sculpt their view and vision when it comes down to the arts, how they create. To be that type of influence is one of the best um, experiences uh, that that I have, you know, as a human being, because that's what this is all about: carrying on tradition, passing on the torch to the next generation. And then when it comes down to music, that is a field that I've seen the ups and downs in. So I have a golden testimony to give them, letting right them know that it's more than just being an artist. It's all about what's behind the scenes, the work that you put into it the way that you carry yourself, the knowledge that you have on the business that you get into and respecting the history and keeping your grades up, the education. I mean, me, um, I was, I had a lot of opportunities to not go to college and to just go straight into the big league in music. But, Education has always been my guiding light. It's always been something that has created opportunities for me. and given back to me. Uh, being a Michigan State Spartan and being from Lansing where I used to go to the IM building practicing on my jumper, wishing one day I'd go there and be, becoming a Spartan and graduating, it's just a great medal of, of, of honor, uh, a degree is, to bring back to uh, a youth who wants to do the same thing, you know, because the best experience is the best thing is to show that you're experienced within what they're trying, what they've been through or what they're trying to become within success. So that's where hip hop history and the arts comes from. It just comes from, uh, inspiration to, um, lead and guide the next generation the right way. And then sitting back, sitting back, watching them grow into, uh, you know, just great citizens. And that's even more important than the artistry being uh, just a good citizen and and, and giving to the world and and optimism
0: and, and, and positivity. So, Mm-hmm. Um, what is it about hip hop as a musical genre, as well as a culture, um, that you think um, what kind of power and um, knowledge does it have that's uh, so valuable for young people to learn about? And how does it um, help them grow and develop yeah. as people? Indeed.
4: So, hip hop culture always represents the youth it represents uh the next wave of style it represents the 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 next thought when it comes down to the next generation so when i think back to when i was a kid hip-hop grasped me instantly and it just took my attention now as far as what i chose to follow what type of messages what spoke to me was the consciousness In hip hop was the knowledge in hip hop was the 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 messages that were told to me as far as how to move through life and become successful. I look at hip hop artists who I've never met as like distant uncles and distant aunts, like from Queen Latifah to uh, to Nas. You know, they're like people who told me how to live. And I just listened listen to that. So hip-hop is very powerful as a culture. It's global. It's brought people of all different cultures together. You look at a hip-hop concert, and it's people from all different walks of life, no matter your color, no matter anything. And it connects with all genres. Like you had Walk This Way by Run DMC featuring Aerosmith. This is during the 80s. Um, it goes all the way from there to like Eminem collaborating with somebody of a whole other genre as well, you know? So hip hop is is universal. It's multicultural. And it's a reflection I think of the world uh, when it's represented the right way. It's a beautiful thing. And it came from struggle. It came from the Avenue. It came from the ghetto. So that shows right there that you have people in impoverished neighborhoods who are creative you have people in the neighborhoods who, who have gifts, who have blessings. They just need an opportunity because look at where it, it came from New York City, you know, in the slums, and it became global to where it's being presented uh during the Olympics, uh during the NBA finals, it's being performed. Um, so and it's provided so many opportunities for people, um, career wise, entertainment wise. I mean, it's being taught at at uh, you know, at um prestigious universities, um, like Harvard. So, yeah, hip-hop is universal.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And now you're working with an historic Lansing program that was established in 1986. Yes. a building, child, and family initiative. Why don't you tell me all about this program, how you got connected with it, and what your work with it is going to look like
4: yes yes so um building child and family initiative used to be called black child and family institute it was founded in 1986 and it was created to bring opportunities to children and families that that need those opportunities building the family up giving different guidances on how to be successful or how to represent your culture the right way. It was so many different things that I've learned within that program. I used to attend it as a child. Sometimes I just think back to that area where uh, Black Child and Family Institute used to be, you know? And so seeing how it's grown, seeing how it's just became something that's been historic, and where they are now is amazing. So now it's building child and family initiatives. It's multicultural, and it's reaching diverse cultures of families all around uh, the the, the Lansing area. So when the pandemic hit, it opened up an opportunity to teach virtually, um, and me being from Lansing and being uh, a person who has been able to do some things of significance, Uh, I have a big following in my hometown that I'm very proud of, and I I, I take a lot of honor in. So somebody named Najima Iman, that's uh, N-A-J-E-E-M-A, I-M-A-N, she contacted me and just said, I've been seeing all the great things you've been doing in the community in the Twin Cities. I see that you shout Lansing out. um, you, You know, you just show pride in where you're from and we'd love to bring you in to do youth programming virtually for a uh, building child and family initiative. And we had a meeting and uh, the rest is history. And uh, Marion uh, Bryant, that's She's the executive director. So I had a meeting with her and then we had like a town hall meeting with different uh, uh, representatives of the city from community to state. Um, and it was just beautiful. I- I'm just so elated to be doing this because one thing I always wanted to do was get back to the youth in the hometown that I'm from and um, to be able to travel, you know, the nation and do all these things. Um, it's full circle when you come back, not just to a program that has youth, but that has a history where you used to actually go to that program. And this is what it's really all about to me. You know, your name is in lights and you're performing and You're amongst these icons and stuff like that, but this is what it's about, giving to the next generation. And then with it being a pandemic, it's like you're more than a teacher. You're a mentor. You're a guiding light. Like when they go on the computer and they see me, I want them to feel inspired instantly, even before I start teaching, because it's really giving that that positive energy to them to make them understand that they can carry on even amongst these times that we're in right now. So, it's no better time than now for me to be in this position for a lot of different reasons. Yeah.
0: What does the uh curriculum or um the program actually look like when you connect with um the children uh, via Zoom? Yeah. What what sort of topics and issues um will you be working on with them? What will that look like?
4: Things that we'll be touching base on is uh history. Uh, The importance of education, um, the stop bullying mantra, understanding that everybody is different and respecting those differences. Bullying is an epidemic within our elementary, middle schools, and high schools. Um, Anger management, confidence in being yourself, focusing on the future, the power of positive thinking. And so many other aspects, these are, I call them different life packages that they can be able to use for the rest of their life after the class is over. It's like it's permanently implanted in them. So touching base on a lot of different topics that have to do with different um, elements of problems that our children and our youth go through and canaling that root, um, making sure that when they listen to what I'm telling them about all these aspects, it makes them reflect. On their own selves, their own actions. Because I don't think that you're too young to be told to do the right thing, and you're never too young to dream. And as much as we all want to be successful, and we all picture ourselves in this bright, amazing situation in the future, you have to prepare well. You have to treat people the right way. You have to be a you know a law-abiding citizen, and you have to just do the right thing. And you know, it's so many different problems within, um, you know, our youth nowadays, especially with this pandemic creating, um, you know, depression, stress, all different types of things. So this right here will really show them about life, um, even more importantly than uh, the arts. I mean, the arts and the music thing is good, but I really want them to uh, improve in all of those uh, sectors within their lives, and I wanted to carry on so when they're teenagers and adults, and this is a program that they could remember that they got these jewels of knowledge at, like a foundation for uh, a great way of thinking and feeling as they go on through their lives. I wanted it to be something that lasts forever that they learn within this class, that they can carry with them, that can create success and create just abundance for them and their family.
1: Thanks, Tyler. And also, thanks to Skyler for producing this week's show for the impact. We come to you every week at this time, and you can also find it at LansingCityPulse.com. Let's go out with another trip down Michigan's musical memory lane with our music editor, Rich Tupica, whose column appears weekly in City Pulse. Thanks so much for tuning in for City Pulse and Burl Schwartz. Now here's Rich to take us out.
3: Hi, City Pulse listeners. The track you're about to hear is from Dr. Ross, the Harmonica Boss. He was born way down in Mississippi, but then in the 1950s moved up to Michigan and uh, wound up working at the Ford plants in Flint. So um, he was active from 1951 to 1993 when he passed away. But yeah, Dr. Ross, the Harmonica Boss, is a legend. He recorded for both Sun Records Uh, down in Memphis, the same label Elvis recorded for. But he also recorded um, at local labels here, like Fortune Records in Detroit. And he left behind an amazing body of work, uh, really catchy, hooky blues songs. And uh, of course, his harmonica playing is uh, like none other.
0: And that does it for us here at City Pulse. I'd like to thank you, the listener. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. For City Pulse, this is Skylar Ashley, signing off.